You are listening to Dr. P's Daily Time Machine, Episode 40, Miss Brown of Worcester. Hello and welcome back to the Time Machine. Today we will travel back to 1939 for a comedy romance from Screen Guild Theatre. This radio anthology series featured not only the biggest stars of radio at the time, but also of theatre. The show had a variety format, as you will hear, and eventually mostly relied on adaptations of major motion pictures. This was very difficult for the writers, who had to cram full movies into 22-minute narratives. Despite its struggles in many episodes, Screen Guild Theatre had an astonishingly long run from January of 1939 to June 1952, with a total of 527 episodes. Some stars that were featured on the show were Ethel and Lionel Barrymore, Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, Bing Crosby, and even Frank Sinatra, just to name a few. Instead of paying the actors, all revenue went towards the Motion Picture Relief Fund. One notable controversy around the show was that Shirley Temple's parents declined an offer of $35,000 for her to perform in the radio version of The Bluebird. Instead, against her parents' wishes, she presented it on the Screen Guild program without payment, and the $35,000 went towards the fund. Unfortunately for Miss Temple, while she was performing Someday You'll Find Your Bluebird, a woman in the audience rose from her seat and pulled out a handgun, pointing it directly at her. Thankfully, the woman hesitated, and she was subdued. In total, the show raised over $5 million for the fund, which, with almost 3,000% inflation since then, would be over $30 million today. We will start with an early episode today, the second broadcast, in fact, where the show was still a variety show. Nevertheless, it is a fun and intriguing story, with only one short musical number at the end. In this episode, three stars, Herbert Marshall, Loretta Young, and Fred Astaire, will treat you to the tale of a love triangle. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Screen Guild Theater with Miss Brown of Winchester. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second Screen Guild show, Hollywood's own program, written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry, for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Last week, it was a review. Next week, it's a dramatic show starring Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbone, supported by Louise Beavers. Each week, we bring you a different type show with a different cast of stars. Tonight, it's a musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, and written by Dwight Taylor and Arthur Sheikman under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley. Ready, Oscar? Lights. Music. Curtain. It's four in the morning at the English Manor House of Richard Devon, played by Herbert Marshall. The radio in the darkened drawing room is turned on. In front of it, we find Alice Brown, his fiance, played by Loretta Young. The program she is listening to is a transatlantic broadcast in the famous sky room of New York's Hotel Astoria. Jerry Gale, known as the Rhythm Romeo and acted by Fred Astaire, is just beginning his midnight broadcast. Jerry. Alice. Alice. Is that you down there? Yes. Yes, Dick. Well, what on earth? Well, do you know what time? Oh, Donnie, are you ill? No. No, I'm all right. 
I woke up and heard the radio playing. Oh. You're sure you're all right, Alice? Quite sure. I I just couldn't sleep, huh. that's all. I don't wonder, poor girl. That dinner last evening to meet my family must have been a frightful ordeal. No, it wasn't. But they approve of you, darling. Dick. Dick, I want to ask you something. Yeah? Here, let me put this shawl around you. This place is a refrigerator. You have a red nose for our engagement party. <laughs> Dick. Dick, would you say a girl was, well, immoral to be in love with two men? Oh, it depends on the girl. Who is this unfortunate female? It's I. Oh, well, in that case... Huh? What did you say? I said I'm the girl, Dick. Oh, now, wait a minute, oh, Alice. I suppose I should have told you before I left New York. Well, it might have been a little less of a shock. After all, a man doesn't expect his fiancée. Would it be a breach of etiquette to ask the name of my rival? Jerry Gale. Jerry Gale, mm -hmm. the American orchestra, the rhythm Romeo. Oh, now, look here, Alice. I know, it's mad and crazy. But he's a public figure of speech, every woman in America. Look, Dick, they're two me's. The sensible, sober, down-to-the-ground me, quite in love with you. Then there's the other we'll call the foolish, romantic me, in love with Jerry Gale. <laughs> oh, no, you're ribbing me. Oh, aren't you? He was the leader of a little band at our college prom four years ago. He played the trumpet. Oh, but he was much better on the harmonica. Harmonica? Uh-huh. Oh, this is becoming more and more fantastic, Alice. How long did you know him? A weekend. Only a weekend? Yes. And I never saw him again. Well, doesn't it occur to you he must have changed a lot in four years? Oh, he has. Of course he's changed. And I'm the one responsible, Dick. I made him the rhythm Romeo. Now, really, Alice, I can believe a lot of things, but... I introduced him to Shakespeare. You mean William? <laughs> Where? A lake on the campus. In a canoe in the moonlight. I recited Romeo's speech to Juliet. And now, now he begins all of his programs with that same speech. Well, his meat was atrocious. He told me he'd always remember that night. Remember me. Every time I hear him, I know he's looking for me, searching. Oh, oh I know how perfectly stupid this sounds, but Stupid? I... It's serious. Even if it is purely mental, we've got to do something about it. Yes, I know, but what can we do? Return to America and see this Jerry Gale. Oh, Dick, now you're being silly. I've waited so long for you. I can wait a little while longer. Until I'm sure of you. But, Dick... Don't worry. If you find he's the one, I'll bow gracefully out. Oh, no, no, I... Or if he's not, you can forget him. Isn't that the sensible solution? Well, I... Exactly. We'll sail for America on the very next boat. You're going to feel better or worse within a fortnight. The band. She has played three numbers. Where is Jerry Gale? I am Jerry Gale's manager, not his nursemaid. Mm. I managed the Astoria Skyloop. And Jerry Gale comes on time where I make you lots of trouble. Hmm. Thirty musicians, two arrangers, three chunks of music, a harp, and Jerry Gale to look after. And you think that you can make me trouble? Ha-ha! <laughs> Ha-ha! <laughs> right back. I go, but I tell you, he roams at ten o'clock, or, or he roams. Hmm. You'd think I could take him out of a hat. <laughs> Hello, Lester. Oh, so there you are, Jerry Gale. Where have you been? On the corner of 47th and Broadway, playing a harmonica for three little dirty-faced kids to do the shag. Any objections? If the management ever hears of this. We made 40 cents before we got chased by the cops. Not bad, huh? You'll ruin everything. Everything that I built for you. 
I and Shakespeare raised your salary to 2000 a week. Look, Lester, you and the Bard have done a lot for me, but honestly, I get so tired of spouting couplets. Maybe you're satisfied with this rhythm Romeo you've created, but I've got to live with him, and I don't like him. Oh, stop that. Stop that. A 30-piece orchestra with a concertmaster who plays a genuine Stradivarius, and you play a mouth organ. Don't do that. Why don't you take up something classical like uh, the harp? You can't play a harp in the bathtub. Will you please give me that crazy gimmick? Oh, don't put it in your tailcoat. You'll bulge in the wrong places. Look, Lester. Look, you read my mail, you write my lines, you make my dates and you break them. In short, you pull the strings and I dance. Please, please, will you stop? Romeo wasn't a hoofer. Yes, and this hoofer isn't a Romeo. Here, here, now there's the signal. Now here's your baton. Now don't forget, when you step off the bandstand after your number, you're still Romeo. Greet the girls with, uh, I am too bold, tis not to me, she speaks. Romeo and Juliet, act one, scene two. And what do you say when I get cornered with some fair jitterbug? Why, I interrupt and uh, say your sponsor wants to speak to you. All right, all right. I go and it is done. The bell invites. What? Macbeth, act two, scene one. Thank you very much, thank you, everybody. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the Jerry Gale we've come 3,000 miles to meet. Yes, Dick. Looks quite a decent chap, Alice. He's just as I remembered him. I'll see if Mr. Gale will join us. Oh, look, Dick, he's seen me. He's coming over. Oh, Mr. Gale, will you play two sleepy people? I am too bold. Not to me, she speaks. Oh, Mr. Gale, your music is too, too wonderful. I am too bold. Tis not to me, she speaks. Hello, Jerry. I am too bold. Tis not to me, she speaks. Nice reading, old man. Thanks. Jerry. Jerry, don't you remember me? Remember you? Well, of course. Why, why, you're, uh, uh... Alice. Uh, Alice, well, what do you know about that? Alice, uh, uh... uh Brown. Brown, certainly. Bra- <laughs> Alice Brown, of course. The Fall Festival at Wellesley. No. Spring prom, Vassar. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. You had on a blue dress. I wore red. Remarkable memory, old man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, by the way, this is Mr. Richard Devon. How do you do? How do you do? Alice has told me about you, Mr. Gale. Really? Well, that's, uh, that's nice. Huh? Yes, most fortunate the way you came upon the Shakespearean role. Oh, Dick. The, the rhythm Romeo angle? Yes, a lake on the campus, a boy and a girl, the moonlight, and you were romantic. No. A hamburger joint on Main Street, me and my manager, it was raining and I was broke. But, Jerry, I... You see, one of the boys in the band made a play for the waitress and she said, lay off, Romeo, and the idea came to Lester just like that. I've been the rhythm Romeo ever since. (laughs) Dick. Dick, let's dance. Alice, darling, you know I don't tango. But you do, don't you, Mr. Gale? Oh, Um... I couldn't possibly leave you alone, Dick. Nonsense. I'll order dinner for you while you're dancing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I... Well, I... I I, I suppose... uh, I suppose we could dance... I suppose we could, if you like. This balcony is a lot better. (laughs) Is that line inspired by Mr. Lester, too? You know, I'm afraid you've got me all wrong, and I don't blame you. No? I got off on the wrong foot, and I can't seem to get back in step again. Well, why bother? Well, because I do remember you. Oh, not your name or the school, maybe, or the color of your dress, but I, I remember you and everything that happened that weekend. Really? Mm-hmm. You don't believe me? No. All right. Didn't you find my harmonica, and didn't I have to go to the sorority house to claim it, and didn't you make me play it to prove it was mine? Yes. Yes, and then you dated me for the next night. 
Sure. That was why I stayed over. You called for me in the town's only taxi. It was payday. Yes, but we walked down to the lake. And paid a dollar for a red canoe. It was blue. It was swell. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was a full moon. Two of them. One upstairs and one down on the lake. Yeah. And you sang a funny little song, do you remember? There ought to be a moonlight yeah. saving time. So I could love that gal of mine. <laughs> and you, you recited... What light from yonder window breaks. It is the east. And Juliet is the sun. <sighs> That's it. That must have been why I took Lester's suggestion. I was remembering you and the way you read those lines. And when we reached the shore, you said, beautiful. I didn't mean Shakespeare. And you kissed me. Yes. Yes, I... Darling... Darling. Pardon me. Pardon me. I'm Mr. Lester, Mr. Gale's manager. He was at your table a few moments ago. I wonder if you could tell me where uh, he... Yes, uh... certainly, yes. He just stepped out on the balcony with my fiancée. Oh, thank you. Uh, on the balcony? With your fiancée? Oh, my heavens! <laughs> Oh, here you are. I say, uh, here you are. <clears throat> Mr. Gale, your sponsor wants to speak to you. I say, your sponsor wants to speak to you. Mr. Gale, your sponsor! You have just heard Act One of Miss Brown of Worcester with Fred Astaire, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, Loretta Young, and Gino Corrado. Now, before we bring you Act Two, we'll have just a few words from John Conti. Ladies and gentlemen, in your neighborhood, perhaps just around the corner, you'll find a good golf dealer. He is an independent merchant who conducts a business to serve you with your motoring needs. We are proud to say that he handles petroleum products which are uniformly high in quality. Of equal importance is the service which he renders. We are sure you will find him friendly, helpful, and prompt in his attention to your motoring needs, courteous as he serves you. In every respect, a merchant who merits your regular patronage. So, the next time you need gasoline and motor oil, stop at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc and ask the good golf dealer to service your car. Thank you. curtain is about to rise on the second act of our musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester. Alice Brown and her former love, Jerry Gale, the famous orchestra leader, have been doing the town for the past two weeks with a man she is engaged to marry, Richard Devon. Devon has been learning that even in America, three is a crowd. Lights. Music. Curtain. Well, where have you been? Out, Lester. Out with whom, may I ask, Mr. Gale? The girl I'm in love with. You're not serious. Why, you can't do this to me. Oh, yes, I can. You can't be in love with one girl. You've got to be in love with all of them. Your sponsor expects it. Now, look. I got along all right when I wasn't the Rhythm Romeo. When I didn't know what a sponsor was. Yes, and I had a darn sight better time. You're comparing hamburgers to caviar. I like hamburgers. What's the name of this siren? Alice Brown. And she's not a siren, Lester. She's in love with me. 
not the rhythm Romeo. You are the rhythm Romeo. Yes, but she isn't in love with him. She's in love with the fellow I was four years ago. Hmm. He was a halfway decent chap. He didn't spout Shakespeare, and he wouldn't steal another fellow's girl. You mean there's another man in love with her? Yeah, a grand fellow, too. Look, Lester, I'm in a spot. What can I do? Well, well, you certainly can't marry the girl. No. No, you're right, Lester. I, I can't marry her. Hmm, now you're talking sense. No woman could be happy married to me with the postman dumping a thousand phony love letters on our breakfast table every morning. Watching me look foolish while fans ask for autographs, grab my hat, tear off my tie for a souvenir. Mrs. Rhythm Romeo. Why, Alice couldn't stand that for a month. Hmm, that's right. That's right, Mr. Gale. That's perfectly right. <laughs> I, I've got to show her that Devin's the man for her now, but I don't know how. Well, you just leave everything to me, Mr. Gale. I'll think of something. <laughs> a Lester never fails. <laughs> Did you see this headline? Uh, how about some tea, Alice? Army mobilizes on Czechoslovakian bomb. Lemon or milk, darling? A uh, lemon, dear. London building bomb-proof shelters. <laughs> You'll never guess what I discovered these crumpets. Britain debates mobilizing navy. Imagine selling crumpets at a chemist shop. You know, Dick, this really looks serious. Not the crumpet situation? <laughs> no, silly. There's trouble in Europe. Oh, time enough to worry when it comes to a head. Marmalade or gooseberry jam? Marmalade, please. Oh, gosh, I'm glad we're in America and out of it. Well, if they have to roll up their sleeves and go to it... I'm still a captain in the Naval Reserve. You? Dick, do you mean that... Well, anything's apt to happen these days. But look, you didn't come to tea to discuss the European situation. What's really troubling you? Come on, out with it. Dick? Yeah? I've made up my mind. I thought so. It's Jerry Gale. Yes. Oh, please, Dick, don't be angry no. with me. No, I'm not. Jerry's a fine chap. I'm only sorry I couldn't have been the lucky man. But Jerry doesn't know it yet. I knew it. And so must he, unless he's blind. Just a second. Yes? Is Miss Brown there? Yes, just a moment. For you, Alice. For me? Oh, thanks, dear. Hello? Miss Brown? Yes? This is Jerry Gale's manager, Mr. Lester. May I ask the name of your attorney? My attorney? What for? <laughs> Miss Brown, as Mr. Gale's manager, it is my unpleasant duty to follow the path of unbroken hearts left at the wayside by the rhythm Romeo. <laughs> and I do what I can to repair them in a monetary sense. <clears throat> Let me warn you, however, that $3,000 is my top price. Are you speaking for Mr. Gale? Certainly I speak for Mr. Gale. Does he think that I... Why, how dare you call me up, Mr. Lester? How dare you? <laughs> Where's Gale? Uh, rehearsing his orchestra. Oh, he'll be through in a moment. Uh, sit down. Have a cigarette? A drink? No, I don't want to drink and I don't want to smoke. I want to see that founder Gale. Well, let go my coat. No use getting excited. Let me go. Well, Dick. Mr. Mr. Bounder, I mean Mr. Gale. I this oh, for heaven's sake, do something. Dick, what's the trouble? I came for the three thousand dollars. What three thousand dollars? The three thousand dollars. Did you sell me something? Do you pay off my check or does your Mr. Lester keep the cash on hand? Look, Dick, what's it all about? Mr. Gale, I, I can explain. Explain? You better talk fast, Lester. You better talk fast and well. Well, uh, well, after our little talk this morning... Oh, uh, so you and Gale did have a talk. Oh, well, sort of a talk. Oh, but Romeo, Jerry, I mean, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gale, he, he doesn't know my talk. Lester, calm <laughs> yourself. Uh, who's calm? Nothing's the matter with me. I'm perfectly excited. You told me yourself that you shouldn't marry Miss Brown, so I, I only pretended to offer a settlement on the phone. I only... A um, settlement? Uh, Why, you what? You... 
pygmy. You, you smidge. Oh! Oh! I'm beginning to get things straight. Look here, Jerry. Why shouldn't you marry Alice? Oh, because you can give her a sane, decent life, and I can't, Dick. Because I'm a streamlined Shakespearean phony. Alice doesn't think so. After all, she's the one to make the final decision. It won't be hard for her to choose now. There's no explanation I can make she'll ever believe. I wouldn't worry, Jerry. A woman will go any place, do anything, and believe anything when she's in love. You'll see at the Sky Room tonight. But why, Dick? I never want to speak to Jerry again. I never even want to see him. Why must we come here tonight? Because you're really in love with Jerry. You're angry now. Your pride's been hurt. But he's a great fellow. And you'll be very happy together. I know that. Dick, don't when you see that? When two people love each other, there has to be a lot of understanding. You told me this afternoon you loved him. You love him now, don't you? Hello, Dick. It's all right, old boy. I'll be back in a little while. Alice, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if there's anything I can say. You see... I've got so in the habit of speaking for this rhythm Romeo that I can't talk very well for myself. There's your music. I'll be right back. No, no, I'll sing it from here. I can reach up to heaven And pluck out a star from the blue It's true But only when you're in my arms I can live without riches and still have a million or two. It's true, but only when you're in my arms. Though I'm ambitious, my wishes have always been simple and few. Give me the moonlight, the music, and sweetheart, an arm full of you. I can see myself doing the things that I never could do. It's true, but only when you're in my arms. Do you believe me, Alice? Yes. Yes, Jerry, I believe you. <laughs> I, I guess I never really doubted you. I wonder if that blue canoe is still on that lake where we left it. Well, we could go and find out. Well... Looks as though I'd walked in on cue, just in time to offer my blessing and to say goodbye. Goodbye? It seems that little trouble in Europe we talked about has come to a head. The Admiralty has ordered mobilization of the fleet. I'm sailing on the Queen Mary at midnight. So sailing? In an hour? Uh, is it war? Lord only knows. Anyway, I'm off. I've just time to drink to your happiness, pack my bags, and make the boat. It's plain water, so I'll make it a plain toast. Here's to Shakespeare, 1938 version. Romeo gets girl. Goodbye, Alice. Luck, Jerry. God bless. Dick. Gee, what a swell fellow. He gets his orders and goes. Sure. The North Sea and submarines. With a man like that on your side, you can't lose. England can't. But we can, Jerry. We may never see him again. Well, what can we do? Well, I, I know what we ought to do. So do I. Jerry. Jerry, I've got to go after him. Bye, Alice. Goodbye. 
And, Jerry, I think you're swell. I like you, too. Toasting Miss Brown of Worcester. Throw my luggage in the back, driver. Pier 90, driver. Okay, ma'am. Alice. What are you doing here? Where's Jerry? On the bandstand at the Astoria Hotel, I think. What I thought. Oh, you're, you're, you're coming to see me off. Darling, a girl doesn't take bag and baggage to wave goodbye from a pier. You stupid thing, I'm coming with you. You can't. Why not? Well, Jerry. He sent me. Oh, forgive me, I don't get this. Darling, don't make me propose to you. You mean... Yes. Alice. Oh, my dear. How about a little radio music with that, sir? Why not? <laughs> well, here it is. Driver, do you know this is the first time I've ever been kissed in a taxi at 50th Street and 10th Avenue? Oh, this ain't the first time it's happened in my cab, ma'am. <laughs> Listen, darling. My heart does stand still just hearing me. That's the song he sang to you, our first night in America. Yes. Only now he's singing it to us. See here, Miss Brown. Huh? What about your accommodations on the boat? I got the last stateroom. Oh, no, you didn't, darling. We got the last stateroom. Mr. and Mrs. Devon. today's podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe. As always, you can contact me at host at Daily Time Machine with any questions, comments, or recommendations for episodes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.